0: Good morning Mimosas and welcome to the Good Morning Mimosa podcast. I am your host Cheryl Baer and today with me I have Veronica who I'm going to describe our connection in a minute here but I just need to preface first that she is beyond inspiring and you'll see why throughout our journey here. So without further ado Veronica is the wife of okay here we go. My husband Ryan his brother, Kyle, Kyle's best friend, Robert. So otherwise (laughs) she is married to Robert. um, And they have two boisterous boys, ages five and four. She loves to cook and horseback ride. She and Robert love to go uh, and dress up for Renaissance festivals. Plus she has MS and rocks and rolls through all of this differently abled than most. Her noble steed, Nimbus, aka her mobility scooter, doesn't slow her down. In fact, he might even speed her up. Her glass is always half full. And without further ado, I would like to say good morning to Veronica. Good morning, lady. Thank you for joining me this morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. So every week we get an inspirational quote. I know you have a really great one for us. So if you don't mind, go ahead and tell us what your quote is for us and kind of how it applies to you or why it's one of your favorite. So this is a quote that
1: I, is just a saying that I use all the time, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time because I have a life that has things that don't always go to plan, but you can always put one foot in front of the other
0: one day at a time. That's where you start. So talk about starts and getting started. I'd like to go ahead and transition to kind of the history of um, a sport you love and kind of talk to us about growing up a little bit. Sure. So I
1: was a horse kid from age five at a dude ranch in Arizona um, on trusty Jack, who I, I have a theory that everyone who's ever ridden remembers the name of the horse, the first horse they ever rode. I was a horse kid. And so it took a while. My parents, finally, I got into some lessons And, um, I did anything that would bring me close to horses. I rode in many different disciplines. I rode at big barns. I rode at small barns. I rode at barns where I was. Breaking and working with young horses. I rode at barns where the goals were really competition. I rode at English barns and Western all, all of the things. I was that kid that was like at the barn morning, noon, and night, like until somebody dragged me kicking and screaming. Um, And we lived in a world then where like, you could do that. Like your parents could dump you off at the barn and like leave you there. And nobody questioned it. And somehow I managed to eat and, you know, not get abducted and all of those things. But I was then diagnosed with MS when I was 17. And when I was diagnosed I had three lesions on my brain and seven on my spine. And there was probably some diagnose, there was some indicators earlier than that, but my neurologist adamantly believes the reason I was keeping the disease under control was because of the horses, because of the therapy, mental, physical, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I had a slow progression of my disease that started to affect my riding. And in 2013, I went through a four board fence and it was the wake up call that it was like horses have to have a different role in my life now. And so I decided I was just going to love horses from the ground and I didn't love them any less. Took a long time for me to admit that and own that. But I decided to love horses from the ground. And so I cleaned out my trailer. I sold everything except for a few prized possessions that I just couldn't bear to, to part with that. I then made my husband schlep from townhouse to house, to new house, to final house, all without touching the horse, but never Um, (laughs) he was thrilled.
0: Couple questions real quick. Um, for those of us that aren't as educated on these things, could you explain? to our mimosas out there what exactly MS is and then you know you kind of described your your impact moment where you needed to change would you mind describing for us what exactly it was I know you said it was the floorboards Fence fence boards okay if you don't mind explaining for those of us who are not as knowledgeable on this subject you know kind of you know, what all that is and, and the impact because that magnitude I'm sure was a huge moment for you. Sure. So a little bit about MS. So MS is a
1: demyelinating nerve disease. So myelin is the plastic coating on the outside of a electric cable or a electric wire. And your nerve is the metal part, the copper, whatever kind of cord it is. And so for somebody with MS, their immune system starts to attack that myelin. And so the electricity escapes from the synapses and it then eventually creates scar tissue. And that scar tissue interrupts the function of the nerves. As I said earlier, I had three on my brain, three lesions on my brain, seven on my spine. Those, that was the scar tissue on the nerve cells. And so that is pretty advanced progression of a disease, even if you're not having symptoms. Now, when I was diagnosed, what happened was I had numbness on the left side of my face that like started as a like, oh, I use chapstick I'm allergic to. And then after like a week, I was like, my face is numb. That's weird. (laughs) But slowly what started happening is it affected my lower extremities. So those lesions that were on my spine then started to flare up. So also about MS, there's at least four kinds of MS. I have relapsing remitting MS. And so that's the kind of MS that I can really speak to, can't speak to the others, which means I have a flare up and then it can go dormant. And I may or may not create a new baseline for each of those flares. And so I've had two flares since I was diagnosed, but I had kind of a declining baseline early on, and then I had a rapid, debate, uh, rapidly declining baseline in 2014. When I decided to give up riding, I was having a lot of problems controlling the muscles in my lower right leg. And so I couldn't keep my ankles and my knees flexed in my right, my ankle and my knee flexed on my right side, which meant I was very unstable in the saddle. And at the time I had a very talented. Uh, young thoroughbred who really needed somebody who could sit on him and kick his ass. And so, uh, that was not the rider that I was at that time. And so we had difference of opinion and he decided that rather than give up, he would have rather gone through the fence. So like, as you're driving down the highway and you see like horses in a field, the four board fence, that's what he went through. It was a big wake up call. It wasn't a little wake up call. <laughs> does that answer your
0: question a little bit about MS? No, it, it does. And I mean, even sitting here, I've, I've heard of MS, but it actually, you know, what, what it is that description I'm, I'm tracking. Um, and even about, you know, the, the bores in the wall that he went through and I guess you went through or over. Now I know growing up, you know, being the age we are, our parents could drop us off and we would just do through hard work ethic and everything, just do what we love, whether in sports, um, and you just being in the barn, um, all the time Were you, was it during a competition that this happened or was it a practice? Um, was anyone there or what was the event that it kind of took place? Yeah, this was
1: one of those, like just everyday practice. And we, it, the horse's name was Biscuit. Um, Biscuit and I got into it and I'm not still not sure who won. We can, we can laugh about that now, but fortunately, other than some really nasty bruises, neither he nor I was hurt and it was a, this is going to sound silly. It was a short length of fence
0: board. So it was pretty cheap and easy to fix and off we went. So getting the the diagnosis and, you know, deciding that you need to make a change. And I know you said that your, uh, sweet husband, Robert, uh, slept some prized, uh, (laughs) prized possessions from that time, you know, around from house to house with you. When you said that you started, you know, you still loved horses and everything, but you had to do it from the ground. Can you explain to us kind of what that meant or how you, kept connected maybe from afar or certainly farther away than you were previously when you were in the saddle? So I
1: kind of kept tabs on the the big events that were going on in the equestrian world around the international, Western International Horse Show is every year. It's at the Verizon Center or the MCI Center or the Capital One Arena, depending on your generation. And so we went to that and we would go to the gold cup races and, you know, every time there were horses in a field on the road, oh, horses, you know, and it, it, it was just that, but in a, in a strange way and in my ever silver lining personality and in hindsight, I kind of feel like there was some of this greater purpose where I needed a break from horses because if I had kept riding, I'm not sure I would have committed to finding a husband and starting a family. And like, I needed that break. And so now like I have a husband and I have my wonderful boys and now I'm, you know, spoiler alert back into horses. And so, I don't know. I kind of, I can find the, the beauty in that break that I had to, had to take that's how that phase of my life went. The next kind of phase once I gave up riding was focusing on family and managing
0: my disease. So talking about your beautiful family, um, could you tell us a little bit, so you had your break, you shifted gears and kind of became family focused. Can you talk about kind of your family focus and what that looks like with two highly active boys? um and your husband with you know kind of how you manage it how you make it happen and also share with us your kind of outlook and attitude because it's <laughs> it's awesome we
1: have two boys Ross and Kyle and Ross is and has been since he was a baby an extremely active kid he climbed out of and back into his crib at 19 months old and so you know I rely on a walker, on a scooter, on canes. I wall walk, which means I use the wall for balance. And I have been blessed with this kid who I have caught trying to climb onto the refrigerator. He's my walking physical therapy. That's the way I see him. Um, and then Kyle is a little bit, he's a little bit chiller, but he's going to be enormous. He's, he's projected to be six, six. It's not going to be easy for long, (laughs) but never mind. I don't know how much I believe those growth curves anyways. Uh, in 2014, we had a, we had a little bit of a difficult time getting pregnant and I had to come off all of my meds and then I had a relapse and I had a a very bad relapse. And so in 2014, I had canes, but I didn't use them because that was a scary thing to admit. Using them was more than just using them. It was an admittance that I needed to use them. So that was really tough. Um, And we bought a scooter for big events because I just couldn't walk very far because fatigue is really my biggest thing that I have to manage. And so we bought a scooter. I had canes, you know, but I was really up and kicking most of the time. And then I had a relapse in July of 2014. And then we found out we were pregnant with Ross. So for me, a relapse was, I had this horrendous back pain and like, I couldn't take a deep breath. I curled up in a ball and could not get out of it. I was in so much pain and pain. A lot of people with MS have pain. They have chronic pain and they have, there's no real source of their pain, but it's chronic. It's all the time. I thank goodness don't have that. And so for me, this was a new event. So I had to have, so I did IV steroids, which didn't do anything, didn't fix anything. What ended up happening, I was in the hospital for 14 days and they did something, Called a plasmapheresis treatment. And so I had five days of plasmapheresis. And what that means is they scrub your blood. So they, they, over the course of five days, they take your blood out and they, they separate the white blood cells and they take out the plasma and you get new plasma. So new plasma is, well, plasma is where all of your white blood cells are and your white blood cells are what attack the myelin. And so you get all new white blood cells from wonderful donors. If you can donate plasma, go donate plasma. Um, So I got squeaky clean, new blood, disease-free blood. It's awful. (laughs) So to do that, one of the, the big cataclysmic events there, they use this, it's like a central line catheter. It's called a Quentin catheter and my chest cavity spasmed around it. And so I'm having plasmapheresis, but my whole upper body, I know you can't see me, but like my whole upper body, it was contorted around my right collarbone and literally from like my rib cage to my, and, and three quarters of my chest and my shoulder were just tight. I mean, like, like a cramp, like a Charlie horse for days. They don't really know why, but the muscles spasmed when they put the Quentin catheter in. So anyway... I had the plasmapheresis. I got started on a drug called Rituxan, which is a whole nother tangent, but it's a great drug for MS. And then I got recovered from that. I went back to work. And in December, we found out that I was pregnant. And so
0: it was very exciting. One finding out you're pregnant it has got to be like the greatest ray of sunshine. Um, when you found that out, um, when you went in and I've got to say, my mind is blown with medical, not technology, but like medical advances because it's listening. And I know listeners, you aren't here to sit across from her like I am with my mouth open, like, oh my gosh, they scrubbed your blood. When you went in there, obviously you were having like, you know, a relapse that was really hard and aggressive. When they got done scrubbing, when you walked out of that hospital, did you like instantly feel better and feel like a whole new person? Or was that a bit of a a hike in a road and then you found out you're pregnant and didn't make everything just rainbows and sunshine because your little boy is amazing. Um, but how was that, I guess, coming out of the hospital for you until you found out you were pregnant?
1: That all happened in like July, August time frame, and I don't think I went back to work until like October-ish, maybe even later. Um, because the other thing with MS is if you don't use it, you lose it. So I was losing balance and I was losing because I was just in bed I was in so much pain I couldn't walk I could it was hard to breathe um and so then it took time to just recover from all of that and then being in the hospital for 14 days especially when you're a fall risk so when you're a fall risk in the hospital you get to go nowhere absolutely nowhere unassisted and I am a very outspoken person and There are some nurses that deserve an apology. So if you are listening, I'm so sorry, (laughs) but sometimes you just, it gets old. So anyway, it was just a very trying, trying time. So then we found out we were pregnant in December and it was okay. We're going to do this now because then you, then you're pregnant. And about three weeks after that, it was morning sickness. And that was the focus.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Talk about going from one wave to another um so then talk to us a little bit more about you know life with your kids from kind of being born to where you're at present and kind of when your family life got to where you were like hey i think we could plug a few more horses back into it
1: (laughs) when i was pregnant with ross then i i started having to use a cane Because your center of gravity is changing so fast. Also, both of my kids were enormous. I had Ross was nine pounds and Kyle was almost 10 pounds. And so I was, you know, not learning to balance as fast as my body was changing. And so that was kind of a tough, tough thing. But then I had a normal delivery. I had a healthy boy. I did all of the normal things I breastfed and we worried and we had sleepless nights and we did, you know, so all of that. And then when Ross was 10 months old, we found out we were pregnant again. (laughs) And that was exciting. We did the pregnancy thing again. And I was kind of declining that that whole gravity change thing was happening faster and faster. It was kind of snowballing. And so by the time I was ready to have Kyle, I was using a walker and I was using a scooter to get to him from work and or in and out of work and at work. And I was still not using one at home. It probably would have made my life a lot easier. But again, using it at home has there's a lot of psychological acceptance that has to go with that. that I wasn't I wasn't there for. And then, um, had Kyle again, did all the normal breastfeeding mom, you know, two babies thing. And when Kyle was a couple months old, we went to the Western National horse show and at the Western National horse show, there's a accessibility platform. And so the night that I was there, there were all of these other riders from a therapeutic riding program. And so a little bit more divine intervention happened where this woman hounded me. She was a rider at a therapeutic riding program and she had MS and she was bound and determined to get me back on a horse. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll come like I'll do it one time. So it turns out I couldn't do it one time at this therapeutic riding program. I had to sign up for a whole session, which was like six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. It's like, this will be fun. Well, it lasted like 30 seconds. Cause I was like, I found out that there was a whole discipline for disabled equestrians and like competitive all the way to the Paralympics. And I was like, well, this is what we're doing now. And so that was kind of, it wasn't a like, I'm going to, oh, by the way, once I started riding again, never heard from that lady ever again. It's very bizarre. Um, so I didn't seek out horses. It's like they
0: sought me out by that wonderful woman, Nancy. Well, God bless Nancy. Cause now you're back in the saddle doing what you love. And I know you said that there are different disciplines again, for those of us uneducated, um, could you go over what you mean by different disciplines and maybe how it differs from maybe how you used to ride to how the setup is in this program you went through.
1: So there are so many disciplines in horses. It's, it's insane. I mean, anything you can come up with to do on a horse, like I'm sure there's a discipline to do it, but I did as a kid, primarily I did the hunters, which is related to fox hunting. It's kind of, it's a show show. Style of fox hunting. And I did equitation, which is a then subcategory of the hunters. And so that was kind of primarily what I did. What I do now is something called dressage. And so dressage is, well, it's para dressage, but dressage is a discipline that you and your horse have a prescribed set of movements that you have to compete and they're in a test and they're in a prescribed order and you have to do them. I mean, it's like come in, halt turn right, make a circle, go across a diagonal. I mean, it's very prescribed. And it originated from military horses because horses had to move in the field and be able to move sideways and go forward and stop and back up and do all sorts of things. And so that's the origin of it. Riding paradressage, it's been adapted so that it's parallel, that's where the para comes from, is parallel to the able-bodied, but made adapted to somebody that, that has limitations.
0: I am blown away by so many things. I know I should have more impressive comebacks, but I'm just sitting here and I'm like, had no idea. It goes back to like military horses. I mean, that makes perfect sense though. Okay. So you started in this discipline and then can you talk about how long you may be trained? Maybe did you have a horse that you were partnered with and then you trained with that horse? And then did you step into competitions or how did your journey kind of go from, I guess, Nancy to <laughs> really Nancy um, to where you are now and where you're currently at?
1: So once I got through my therapeutic riding lessons, I called a woman who was at my last barn. And I said, Hey, I'm trying to ride again. I have this whole thing because she had never heard of paradressage. And, you know, she was like, She didn't say this, but in back of her head, she was probably like, aren't you on a scooter? But she didn't say that. Well, she didn't say that then. Later on, she did. But that's because she's awesome and has a good sense of humor. I wanted to come ride her horse. And her horse is, his official name is Glenard's Christopher Robin. And we all call him Robin. And he is all of the analogies you can come up with. Once in a lifetime, once in a million, unicorn you know, so on. Um, and he needed a job. He had had some health problems and he was in a field and he didn't feel great. And again, I don't know if it was divine intervention or what, but he and I started working together in October of 2018. And we went down our first center line, first war show, um, January of 2020 and throughout 2020, despite all of the crazy in 2020, We finished as the grade two emerging athlete, national champions, and we got the highest score of all the emerging athletes in that, um, competition for our intro tests. And so he like came alive, like he had a total revival. If you saw him in August of last year, it was just incredible. And he totally took ownership of the fact that this was now his thing. And this was his job. And we had, we still, we still have, this amazing partnership and connection and he like the, the majesty of these animals is that they have an understanding of like when something's special and when something is different and he totally had that and on top of all that he's a ham so when he got to like be the be the knight in shining armor
0: he was like yep sure am <laughs> That is so wonderful. And did you feel, and I know when you have a horse, you get a bond and you get a connection that grows. And as you saw him kind of and his revival and him come alive, did you also feel yourself kind of becoming more alive and more lockstep with him and shared victories in that sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. Like this riding, especially now, like and being able to compete and getting to do this and, and doing it well, like keeps me up at night. Like when I, I'm that like little kid again, like if I happen to wake up, you know, at 5am and my alarm hasn't gone off yet. And I, it's like, that's a morning that I'm getting up to go to the barn. Like I'm awake now. Like, that's just, <laughs> there's no going back to sleep. Like I am a 12 year old girl when it comes to that and is cliche, not maybe not cliche, but I don't know what you want to call it. I would never have been able to ride at this level. If I was, a able-bodied amateur rider, there are opportunities that are available to me because I'm a para rider, because I live in a place with a lot of horses and and I have a lot of contacts because of my history with horses that would not have been an option for me as an able-bodied rider. And so in a really weird way, like. I'm really grateful for the circumstance that I'm in because it's providing this amazing, arguably more fulfilling life with horses than I would have had otherwise.
0: I absolutely like, I'm just blown away and, you know, to be able to, cause I, I'm sure, you know, if you were to back up and talk to the 10 year old Veronica and your mindset and your path of where you were going and, Hey, I wanted to do this. And now through life, set, circumstance, everything, you're maybe the platform is a little different, but you're going even farther than maybe your dreams could have taken you in the original path. And you revived a sweet soul in, in, in the process, sweet Robin there. So tell us what you are, what's the next steps for you? Um, is Robin still in the picture? What is going on?
1: So the other thing that I just have to mention about Robin, um, he's 27, oh which is, gosh. which is like the equivalent. i I looked it up recently of being like 78 or older as a human. So, and he's also a stallion who was covering mares until I started like started riding in 2018. And so like he's magical on so many, on so many fronts. So anyway, so that's Robin is just incredible. And it's been really, really hard to a convince him that, you know, retirement may actually be kind of fun, like just a little bit chill out, dude. And number two, to transition to my new horse, um, because I just, I have so much ownership in Robin and so much invested in our partnership. It makes me, makes much chest real tight when I try to talk about it. But I knew that in order to grow and in and in order to get better and in and in order to develop along um the paradressage journey, I needed to find a new horse and I needed to find a trainer who has ridden at that upper level herself and has competed and has taken students there. So I have a new trainer that I had kind of met early in my paradressage career and kind of kept a pulse on what I was doing. And, and I really admire her and she has so many wonderful elements to her training program and to her as an individual. And she helped me find my new horse, whose name is Mason. And he, I call him Mason, the spotted wonder pony, because he's a Pinto. And he and I started, started working together in March. And I, it took us several weeks and this is just two, three weeks ago, he's finally realized that this is special work. So in the beginning, because I ride very differently than an able-bodied rider, I'm very stiff and I'm very tense and my legs don't communicate with the horse at all. I use all of my communication with my voice and whips and my weight. And he was really not sure this was going to be the thing for him. And we were, he's very introverted. He's a little moody. So I was having a hard time bonding with him. And then all of a sudden in the course of a few days, he had this epiphany that like, Oh, I don't have to learn something new. I just have to learn to do it being asked a different way. And so he was much less grumpy about it all. Once he figured that he didn't have to learn a new job. And then all of a sudden he figured out that like, this is really different this is the same but it's different and so since then he's kind of just like blossomed and he's turned into this like little pile of mush and so it's really exciting because i can feel the beginning of what that partnership is like because it's a lot i i put a lot of trust in the horses that i get on because i strap my feet to the stirrups i can't get on and off myself i have to talk to them with really different things than they're used to and i have to trust that they're not going to be weird and put me on the ground. So it's not just anything that they can do this job. And so I'm so excited for, for Mason and I, and what's in our future.
0: So talking about, um, you and Mason and your journey, do you have, um, any competitions or anything coming up or do you have your sights on anything for 2021 or maybe 2022? So I I'm i te- I'm a little hesitant to put this out into the
1: uni- universe in case I jinx something, but I'm thinking our first torture is probably a month away. Um some very big things, paperwork-wise and equipment-wise, have to fall into place. All of those things are wholly out of my control. And so if if the universe gets its act together, <laughs> makes things happen, universe, listen. <laughs> Um, then that's, that's what I'm hoping. Um, if not, it's not the end of the world. We'll regroup. There's some other opportunities and there's a little bit different strategy we can take. And I'm hoping to make it to nationals this year. You know, there's, there's a lot of strategy and planning and training, and then there's a whole lot of luck that has to go with all of that.
0: So for all the mimosas who are interested in watching what happens and where you go and you and Mason grow to, and what you achieve. Is there some way that like, not, we can keep tabs on you, but like, we can see maybe some, some progress and I mean, literally just sit back and be inspired. So I
1: am trying to gain traction on social media. I have found incredible contacts by sharing my journey. I've, I've talked to people with MS and. Parents with disabilities and people to do people interested in riding or people who have, who are supporting my riding through social media. So I have a a web page and it's veronica gogan paraequestrian dot and then I have a Instagram veronica gogan paraequestrian. I have a Facebook page and then I have a personal Facebook page, and I try to keep it all current. Sometimes it, you know, waxes and wanes. Um, And then I'm working on a blog that has to do with MS, has to do with my paradressage and some of my equipment, kind of how to, it's amazing how little information there is on some of this stuff. So it's all a little bit in the works and, and gaining momentum, but that's where I'm at.
0: And for mimosas that want to check that out, we will also be sharing it on thebravebear.com slash GMM. So you can make sure to check it out. But before we leave for today, I'd like to circle back to your quote and Veronica, if you don't mind sharing that one more time with us.
1: One foot in front of the other one day at a time. Yeah, this is just my, my daily motto because If you get up and you put one foot in front of the other, you will go somewhere. That's something you have to do day after day. And I have a whole group of people that are behind me that sometimes they give me a little push when I forget. And it's,
0: it's really wonderful. Well, I am lucky to be, um, a part of your village and I hope that, um, we have some other mimosas that would love to join in and celebrate your victories and, um, Because, as much as you gain inspiration from others, you definitely are an inspiration for so many. Is there anything that um, we could tell the mimosas out there so we can do a better job as a community?
1: So, I am so excited that we are gaining accessibility in this country. It's amazing how many places there are elevators and there are accessibility platforms and all sorts of things. But one of the things that I get asked a lot or that I experience a lot, especially as a parent is what do I tell my kid when they are pointing and staring or asking loud questions? And my answer is let them, let them be curious and educate them because their curiosity is mirrors everyone around them. I know when I answer the kid's question, the guy in front of me in line is listening and the guy behind me in line is listening. And so is the mom with the kid that asked the question. Because even as somebody with a disability, I look at other people and I go, huh, I wonder if they have MS like me or I wonder if it's something different. And I think it's okay to be curious. And so let them ask the question. Don't be afraid. If somebody's a grump, they're probably just a grump, it doesn't have anything to do with their wheelchair. I will tell you the thing that I am most offended by is like the drunk guy and like, like when we go to the Renaissance festival, or if you go somewhere and like, Hey, can I have a ride or like, I need to get one of those. And I'm like, yep, you can, you can have a ride, but you have to take the disease with you. And, and then it gets really awkward. And I just smile inside.
0: Well, I um, hope we get less and less drunk people asking for rides, but I think that's such sound advice to give people because, you know, we've, we've all been there and I told you, you know, even before we did this recording, you know, when I was on crutches for a while with my knee surgery and a kid was like, why, why does she have those sticks? And I was like, oh, well, you know, without saying a, a gruesome story, you know, can I explain like, oh, I had knee surgery and things like that. So Um, I think that's a great way that we can, you know, let those kids be curious and, you know, also make it such a positive educational moment. Well, Veronica, it has been absolutely incredible spending this morning with you and for all the mimosas out there, um, please, if you don't already follow us on Instagram at good morning mimosas on our website at the brave com slash GMM. Or shoot us an email at goodmorningmimosas.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You never know what a like or share will do. So please feel free to share it with your friends, your family, or anyone else who could use a spark of joy on Wednesday mornings. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Cheers, Mimosas.